Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. Welcome to the holiday season. That's what we're about to step into, right? And we all kind of take a deep breath and greet it with a little bit of maybe anxiety because there's going to be a lot demanded of us and maybe some excitement because we finally don't have to do schoolwork for a while or we don't have to do all the planned activities of the normal school year with our kids. But today we're going to talk about how do we enter into the holidays grateful with our eyes in the right place, our spiritual eyes in the right place, so that we can be truly at rest despite sometimes feeling like we're getting our butts kicked. And I want to go back to something that the Lord taught me in motherhood. And I want to tell you it again. I think that there are many times when I sit with women that I say the same thing again and again and again, sometimes because they need to hear it, sometimes because I need to say it again. I need to be reminded of it. I need to remember what it is I'm doing in motherhood with my kids. What is the right perspective versus the world perspective? And so I think that today a reframe would be a good way for us to start the holiday season. How are we grateful when we feel like we're getting our butts kicked? That's the question. Truthfully, I'm in a space where there is a lot of me that feels like I'm getting my butt kicked. If you follow me on Instagram at all, you've noticed that just in terms of leading my kids through school activities, we've had a lot of them. You probably are like me if you have kids in school and you're like, yes, everything has had to be turned in as we're heading into the holidays and I'm exhausted. And then there's always the um, crazy busyness of gearing up for the different holiday meals and visiting family and creating experiences for your kids and um, finding the right gifts and all that we want to do, that we love doing, that uh, gives us great joy. But it also is a list that we need to hit the marks on. And sometimes we feel like we're not hitting the marks well. And then you layer into all of that walking with your kids through excitement and sugar rushes and more downtime. Now they're home more. Now they're around their siblings more. Maybe they've come home from college. And so we have a complete change of scenery and they're trying to readjust to your way of doing life versus the way that they were doing life in college. All the different things that factor in to the holidays. And you and I find ourselves tending to behavior handling arguments, dealing with sibling fighting, um, maybe having kids who aren't interested in obeying, aren't interested in helping out, aren't interested in whatever, you name it, right? 
And so I want to spend some time today remembering what we know is true, remembering what Jesus offers us in those moments, and setting our hearts in the right place. So let's go and look in Luke. We're going to look at the story of Mary and Martha. We're going to look at it from a holiday standpoint. That's the first place we're going to be. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42 says this, says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. You see, in, in the this story is very familiar, right? We hear this story all the time. And as women, we know, we know we're supposed to be Mary. And we can look at Martha and say, oh, yeah, she's too busy doing tasks and not worried enough about listening to Jesus. And I think I want us to talk about this for a minute. I know that I am guilty of glossing over this story, kind of hitting it on a high speed, saying, yep, totally understand that. And then what I actually do is I add being Mary to my to-do list which is a very Martha thing to do, isn't it? But in that society, women were not supposed to be seated with the men listening to what is going on. They're supposed to be hitting certain marks, doing certain things laid out for them. It's very reminiscent, I think, of our culture now, which if you open up your phone to anything, whether it's Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook or the emails you might be getting even from like a Target, every place that you turn is going to be telling you how to create the most fantastic, magical, wonderful holiday experience for your family, for your children, what you should be getting them, how you should be doing it, what you should be cooking, what you should be wearing, all the things, full listing of what it means to be a woman right now in our society and care for and handle the serving, much like Martha. Martha was distracted with much serving. And I think that we live in a culture right now that wants to distract us with much serving, making us see all the things we need to get by, do, be about and yet it led to nothing except being anxious and troubled for Martha and very frustrated with Mary and yet Jesus's gentleness I want you to catch this his great gentleness with Martha there is no scolding of her attitude or no debasing or shaming her or Man, you have really lost your way. No. In fact, he's just compassionate. And he calls out exactly how she's feeling. And then he 
reroutes her vision. So today I want us to spend a few minutes rerouting our vision of walking with children in the holidays. Especially when we feel like we're just not doing it well. I want you to remember the first truth, which is that God absolutely loves you and he loves your child. How do I know this? I know this from many, many passages in scripture, but Isaiah 43 is an absolute favorite of mine when I feel like I'm getting my butt kicked on the motherhood playing field of reminding me of who God is, not just for me, but also for my child. And in Isaiah 43, at the beginning, he says, Bethany, I want you to put your name in there. Bethany, put your name in there. Mama, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. Isn't that interesting, the difference there? So, waters could just be still waters, splashy waters, puddles. I don't know. Just stuff where we kind of get a little bit wet and soaked. We're like gross. That was, that was just not a good thing. And then we have the seasons and the places in our life where we have to go through rivers where we are very concerned we're going to drown. And they're different in scripture because they're different in our lives. But then he says, when you walk through the fire, you are not going to be burned. And the flame will not consume you. Do you understand that we can walk through fire and we can absolutely have flames covering us? The level of which we feel like we are not making it in motherhood can sometimes be great. And yet God's promise for you is that you will not be burned. It will not consume you. And the reason why is held in verse 3. It says, For I, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, And if you skip to verse four, it says, you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. And he says, fear not, for I am with you. And then later on in Isaiah 43, he is talking again to the people of Israel. And this is, he's speaking here to the people of Israel, but he's speaking to his people. And he says, I make a way in the sea. I make a path in the mighty waters. I bring forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, because I am doing a new thing, and it will spring forth. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. Why? Verse 21. So that the people whom I formed for myself might declare my praise. So the first thing I want you and me to remember, when we feel like we're being consumed by all the things and everyone around us is telling us how we need to be and what that means to be good in this season. I want you to return to the truth, which is God invites you into a personal relationship with him for the praise of his name that he is at work in doing new things, working and protecting, keeping you from drowning, keeping you from being consumed with the flames. And he is at work doing those things in you. He is at work doing those things in your child as well. You know, Psalm 139 promises us that he has formed your child from the very beginning. 
that you he knitted your child together inside of your womb. That his works are wonderfully made. That includes your child. We can we can see it in the New Testament in Ephesians two ten. It says that he has. Um, it says he knows the plans he has for you. It says in Ephesians two ten it says you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The gospel of Jesus reminds us again and again that God is at work in your life, Mama, and He is at work in your children's lives. He knows exactly what's going on in their heart because He knit their heart together. He is engaged. He has a vision and a long-term mindset and goal for them that He is at work. He is pursuing them. He will be faithful in that pursuit all the days of their life. And you can trust Him for that. Hebrews 12.2 is the last part because I want you to get solid here. If I can encourage you to take these passages, write them in your Bible, link them together, help yourself have a path that you can go, this is how I know God is at work in my child's life when it feels really rough. And I'm going to tell you a story of how I've learned this over the years, but I want you to hear this passage first. But Hebrews 12.2, this is talking about, let's start starting. 12.1. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What are the cloud of witnesses? They're all the people of Hebrews 11 who died walking by faith, keeping their eyes on God, saying, I am going to follow you. I believe in you, God. And it was given to them as righteousness because they came before Jesus came. And then the author of Hebrews says, so because you have all these people standing, showing you there is hope. And now you have Jesus let us lay aside every weight and every sin that clings to us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. And here it is, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, here it is. This is the phrase I want you to know. The founder and perfecter of your faith. Do you know that Jesus, that is who he is. That is what he does. So take that phrase on the hardest days when you are raising your children and you are going through the grind and you're pretty sure it's not going well and say, you know, Jesus, you are the founder and the perfecter, not just of my faith, but of my child's faith. And I am crying out to you as the founder of my child's faith that you will pursue my child and found their faith. And if your child is saved, you have great freedom to say, Jesus, I am crying out to you on my child's behalf that you will be at work perfecting their faith, growing them deep in you, making them understand the freedom that is found in you alone, Jesus. Help them understand their identity. Help them see how you can be their friend when no one else feels like a friend. You see, this is standing in the word of God and praying it. There are great promises, but Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of your faith in motherhood. We have to grow our faith in motherhood and our child's. When I had all my kids and they were very young, I really struggled with this idea, really struggled with it, Didn't, couldn't hold it tight in my grasp. I would see it, I would hear it, and then it would almost like 
sand through my fingers slip away and I would be caught back up in the fact that I have to do it. I have to make sure they have a faith. I have to make sure that their faith is being perfected, that that's my job. It is not your job and it's not my job. Oftentimes when we feel like we're getting our butts kicked, we are very caught up in serving. We're very caught up in the doing and not in what is the best, which is inviting our children to join us in sitting at Jesus' feet and learning from him and allowing him to be the founder and the perfecter. But when my kids were little, I didn't understand that. It's one of the reasons I have a podcast is more than anything, if I could help you as a mom begin to understand that God is at work doing these things and that he has a plan for your child that is beyond your understanding. And no, it may not look like the way he is raising your best friend's child. Your child's faith journey may look different. There may be days, and I promise you, there definitely have been days in my life where my children's faith journeys have broken my heart because I have just been sure that in that moment, walking that path with that child, this child, that God was not active here. And I was worried and I was scared and I thought it was up to me. But my goal for this podcast and my goal for time with you is that you may know that God is at work in your child's life and that you may join him in prayer and asking him to found and perfect them. How do I know this? Well, I think that God had to teach me a lesson on how he views us, how he views pursuing us in a faith journey and what his goals are for us. And then he basically said to me, Bethany, this is my heartbeat for your kids. It happened one day I was out walking and I tell this story a lot, but I'm going to tell it again because I think people sometimes need to hear things again and again. And I looked across the street and there was a tree that had been knocked over in a storm and it was all over the neighbor's driveway and made a mess, made a mess on their car and all of that. And in that moment, God said to me, Bethany, and and the truth is the reason I was outside is I was running away from my kids. I had had it. I knew I was failing that day with my kids and not doing anything well, not disciplining anybody in love, everybody I was disciplining in anger, frustration, irritation. Um, I was, it was not a good day. And so I had stepped outside just to chill out and saw this tree crashed across the street. And in that moment, the Lord said, Bethany, you do not understand your kids the way I understand your kids, but I need you to understand your child is not like a Bradford pear, which was the tree that was laying on the ground across the street. He goes, my child, my children, the way I see you in a spiritual sense is I am going to be growing oaks of righteousness. So I went home, I went back inside, and I looked it up, and I began to study the difference between the two trees. I want you to know, first of all, that God actually says those scriptures. I didn't know it at the time. But in Isaiah 61, verse 3, he says, he's talking about um, what God is doing in terms of the gospel, in terms of sending Jesus to bring hope to a lost and dying world. And he says that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He's talking about his people that he's calling unto himself, that he wants them to become oaks of righteousness. 
Well, when I began to look at the difference between an oak and a pear tree, because that's what God had told me outside, and I thought, well, that's weird. And I'm not somebody who studies plants, so I didn't really know. But a Bradford pear tree grows with incredibly shallow roots. It grows very fast. Um, it's quick to flower, quick, quick to have many branches, quick to look amazing in your yard. But its root system is very shallow, and it also grows right around, right kind of in a ball or a bundle right under the ground. And all of its rootlets just kind of intertwine with themselves right there and just come up in this great big mass. Oftentimes, if you have a pear in your yard, pear tree in your yard, it will, the the roots as the tree ages, those roots almost will disrupt the ground. Like they'll mess up your grass. If they're growing through grass, they'll definitely make a driveway kind of pull up and buckle because they're right under the surface. And you can see them and you experience them. Bradford pears are weak. It has a weak wood. And in storms, when the wind comes, they're very easily knocked over. You don't even have to have like a lightning strike. It can just be wind and they'll knock right over. In contrast, an oak tree has what is called a taproot system, which means that it sends its roots straight down underground a long way, almost like an upside down carrot when I did my research. And then from once that taproot is established, which means it sends it all the way down as far as it needs to go, it begins to send out rootlets straight out horizontally, none of them intertwining. They go straight out horizontally, pushing out, and they're deep underground. In fact, an oak tree, its root system as opposed to a Bradford Pears root system, which will only be um, a few feet in width. An oak tree's root system will be four to seven times the width of its crown. So the width of the tree above ground that you see, its root system is four to seven times as wide. And God says, I am about growing oaks of righteousness, Bethany in your children. And that means I see them differently than you see them. Because see, all you're seeing are the branches that are coming out. All you're seeing is the lack of fruit that's not growing. The lack of growth at all. Honestly, if you if you want me to be honest, at that time, I wasn't seeing any growth I didn't feel like and was sure that it was all my fault. I was so desperately trying to tend soil and weed out the weeds and I was worrying about my the lack of growth I was seeing that I would have done anything to fix it and God instead began to say Bethany my goal for your children is to establish a taproot system so entrenched in me that then they will slowly grow their roots out horizontally and only when the root systems are beginning to grow out horizontally will you begin to see growth in an oak tree That's true for an oak tree, and I think it's true for our kids. So there are going to be many days that you and I, on our journey with our children, feel like we don't see growth, and we wonder what we're doing wrong. We feel like we're getting our butts kicked, and we're desperate, and we're looking around, and we're running around, and we're trying to do this this concept, this system, this way, follow what this person says. And instead... What God taught me that day in the yard 
is that what would be more important and more valuable would be for me to be more like Mary and return to sit in front of Jesus' feet and learn from him and learn from his word and let that flow out of me to my kids. More, it would be more valuable for me to have that posture than for me to have the posture of running around and trying to do all the things. You see, our children are really known by God. He knows everything about them. In Psalm 103, he reminds us that he knows in verses 13 and 14 is one of my favorite, one of my favorite passages of scripture for when my kids have royally messed up and I feel like I've therefore royally messed up and I don't know what I should be doing differently and I'm scrambling along and anxious and troubled and so worried and I come to God and go, God, God, can't you see? Like nothing is working and I'm not, nothing is going well. And I think he says these kinds of words. He says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field and the wind passes over and it is gone. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. You know, God is so committed to your child. He knows the frame of your child. He knows exactly how your child thinks, what your child fears the most, what your child worries about that he's never told you. He knows exactly how the gospel will set your child free, how Jesus will be the mainstay for your child, the author and perfecter of their faith, and it won't be the same as you. Your child is not you. But you can join with the Father, and you can begin to posture yourself in a way that says, God, I want to walk with you, knowing how to walk with my child. And I can trust you with the outcome and with the results. And I cannot be caught up in all the doing and all the worrying and all the making sure. And instead, Lord, I can trust that you have a plan that involves my child and you are pursuing my child and faithful because your steadfast love endures forever for my child. You see, when we begin to sit more often like Mary at God's feet and less like Martha running around serving and worrying, then our mindset is centered on what is true, which is the gospel. Jesus came to set you and me free from all the lists and from all the running around and all the worrying what other people think. He came to set us free from that. And he offers us a holy invitation to join him in his work. How do we join him in his work? I think the primary way we join him in his work is we learn how to pray. We learn how to pray for our children, the word of God for our children, over our children, specific to our children. And we join God in his work, because the more I sit with Jesus and have conversations about my child, the more I'm going to learn from Jesus exactly how to see my child, how to understand them, how to see them as unique with a bent that is different than mine, that looks different. But when I understand them in their uniqueness and their what the, how they see the world, how the enemy attacks them, how their flesh really makes them feel bound up in struggles, where do they need Jesus the most? Then my next 
moment is one of compassion for them there and speaking the hope of Jesus to them there. And that, that is how we join Jesus in his work. He is at work in your child's life. And you may feel right now that you're getting your butt kicked. That nothing's working. That you're spending a lot of time planting and tending and weeding. And you're spending a lot of time guarding and protecting that little seedling that's barely even out of the ground. And you're not sure if anything is working well or if we're going to make it through the next storm. But I can promise you this. God is busy at work making a taproot. And our prayer needs to be, God, send those roots down deep and let roots begin to come out horizontally from them. And yes, God, may I be living when I see the growth of that on the surface. But as we join him in his work, as we join him in praying for our children, our hearts can be at peace, even in the crazy seasons, even in the busyness, we can set it in its right place and know Primarily, we're sitting with Jesus. And yeah, we're making some turkey too. If you want to learn more about how to pray for your child specifically, how to pray scripture for your child, I have a free guide for you that you can get. It will be in the show notes and you can download it and it will give you a good start in learning how to pray scripture for your child in a way that joins Jesus in his work. I have one that may be encouraging for you if you're walking with teenagers and if you're walking with little babies as well. They will be in the show notes for you. You can find them. And as always, I want you to know that more than anything else that is said, Jesus came that you may have life abundantly, fully, fully free in him, fully confident in him as you journey as a mother, fully accepted by him, He will change what needs to be changed in you, Mama, when your posture is, I just want to sit with you, Jesus. I promise He will remain steadfast and faithful to you as you walk with your kids. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.